My extra special guest this week is Martin Pelthorpe. He is an executive coach, mentor and founder at the Pragma Group. He works with CEOs of all types to be better leaders, to achieve their potential building healthy, high-performing teams and organizations. You may have heard of one or two of his clients, Tesco, Microsoft, Zurich, Pret, to name a few. We discuss how the mind impacts how we think and feel. He's been on his own spiritual journey from having lots of material wealth to feeling deeply dissatisfied with it all. And that led him to learning about what truly brings fulfillment and peak performance. Uh, he also just casually slips into the conversation that he's cycled across Britain several times and he's ran across deserts, as you do. If you are even remotely interested in anything to do with leadership, peak performance, and how the mind actually works, then you will find this conversation to be just absolutely fascinating. So without me keeping you in suspense any further, my conversation with Martin Palethorpe. Martin Palethorpe is the founder and executive coach at the Pragma Group. They are a team of high-level executive coaches and consultants working with CEOs and CXOs. He is passionate about inspiring and challenging CEOs to be better leaders, to achieve their potential, building healthy, high-performing teams and organizations. His teachings about the human mind are at the core of his work. He's also an adventurer, having raced across the North Pole and run across deserts. I'm very much looking forward to the conversation. Martin, Martin Palethorpe, welcome to Agency Deal Masters. Thank you. Great, Nathan. Thank you. It's a pleasure to, to be part of it. Re really good speaking to you. I, I attended a webinar that you did with the guys at Waypoint Partners recently, uh, where you asked participants a really interesting question. You asked, what's the most important opportunity we have at this time during the lockdown? What's the answer to that question? Um, the, op the opportunity we have right now is to go inside and challenge what we're doing, uh, how we're living, how we're working, to look at the paradigms that have been shaping us until this point in our life and our work, to challenge all of that, to, to create ourselves and our businesses and our lives in a way that we really truly want. So let's go back to the beginning of your career because a lot of the reason as to why you are where you are now in your life and your career, mentoring CS, uh, CXOs and CEOs, is because of the early influences that you had. Um, and you say that you started your, your career in the technology sector working with some of the biggest tech names in the world, you were extremely driven, you did really well in sales, but you burnt out at around the age of 27, despite having an amazing car and uh, amazing wealth, you still weren't happy. Why? Well, I, I realized that, well, I, I guess I got to the point where I realized that uh, the, the car and the title and, and the money doesn't doesn't actually create fulfillment. Mm. And I got on this track of thinking if I got X or if I got Y, then that was the game of life. And, and actually I, I realized that it, it wasn't fulfilling. 
so I began this whole pursuit and journey of um, what was a fulfilling existence on this planet. And the other, the other key thing on this journey was I had, I, I was observing many individuals and leaders and organizations, and I was seeing mm. so much dysfunction in how things operated. Mm. Um, and I saw people on this, on the same path that I was on driving for success, but, but actually I saw the, the ineffectiveness of that, um, the dysfunction that that created in leadership style in teams and in, in organizations and indeed for the planet. And, and hence I went on a journey of reinventing myself. Hmm. So tell us how you go from the corporate world of sales and technology to being an executive coach for CEOs and CXOs of some amazing organizations. And, and I guess that's a great question to alluding to what I, where I just was in the conversation mm. was because I, I realized that I wanted to be a, a coach, a mentor, a challenger, a friend to people leading organizations to help them do it more effectively because I'd seen so much, um, you know, a lot of people, are, um, a lot of people get to the top, not because they are amazing, effective leaders and evolved human beings. They get to the top because they've been good at driving results. And then they get to a place where they are leading with, with great responsibility, but not with all the, tools and ability and wisdom to do it well. And that became my passion is how can I be there to, to challenge, to coach people to, to be effective. Hmm. And so at what point in the leader's journey do you engage with them? Do they have a, a recognition themselves that they are lacking in some way and need an external source, a coach to help them uh, become a better leader uh, or CEO, etc. Or does it come from the outside in by someone spotting certain deficiencies or flaws and saying, hey, you need some help and support in that area? It, it, it could be either or both. I, I mean, I, I guess all of all of our work comes through network. It all, all comes through referral. Um, and it, it could be both really. It could be a leader that's identified a need that they're struggling with something or they want to improve something, or it could come from uh, HR or the, the boss of a leader who is identifying two things. It could be uh, a, a talented person that they, the company wants to invest in to say, well, we, this person can go far and we need to help them really uh, be, you know, work on things and develop things now, or it can be sort of more of a remedial work, which is someone in a certain position struggling with some key aspects of what they're doing or how they're doing it. Hmm. Well, well, let's get into the specifics of of what you do and 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 how you help leaders because you've always been fascinated with how, how the mind works. You've uh, you've raced to the magnetic North Pole. Uh, you've done desert ultra marathons and you've cycled the length of Britain. Why is how the mind works so integral to your overall work? So, um, 
because it is the foundational thing that impacts everything. It impacts it, 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 it impacts how we experience and how we feel everything. But it also impacts every element of our thinking and hence what we do in life. So for many years, I, I worked with, with leaders on more practical matters or all the practical matters, strategy, vision, effective teamwork, and so on and so on. But I realized the way that we use our mind in any moment is the most most powerful and, and most effective thing that we've got. Hmm. And yet we've never really been on a course to learn about the mind and or to learn how to master it in any situation. And, and my own journey running, you know, races of, of extremity helped me see that the role that the mind plays, because when you're running 150 miles across a, the Gobi Desert, in 52 degree centigrade heat it it's not you need a pretty strong mind it it's nothing to do it's not a physical challenge mm. it's a it's a mental one it's sure. all about how the mind shows up and in the in the mind in those moments is is showing up and um it's talking to you it's moaning mm. it's it's slowing it's telling it's, you to it, stop well, yeah, it's, it, it's either not in the way and mm. you access this an amazing ability to just carry on and be effective, or it's in the way mm. causing you to stop and, and causing you to slow down and, and being your biggest pain and the biggest struggle in life. And what I realized is that that's the same for, for any human being on the planet. And it's definitely on the, uh, the same for leaders, the leaders that, that, you know, what have they got going on in their thinking that's that, you know, and, and is it in the way or not? Is it in the way of them being, uh, calm? Is it in the way of them having peace of mind? Is it in the way of them having clarity of thinking? Does it, does it mean that they're judging people inappropriately, um, and, and not being a great boss? Does it mean that they're not making wise decisions because they're caught up in, a fixed way of seeing something the mind shows up in so many different ways that then that either enables or disables hmm. but but the mind is probably the least understood organ in the body what what do we know now about how the mind can help us be happier more fulfilled more successful in our, our business and our personal lives that we didn't know just a few short years ago Oh my goodness, Nathan. I mean, this is a fascinating topic, right? Actually, um, if you look at the ancient traditions, like, uh, uh, well, there's ancient philosophers, uh, people like Marcus Aurelius a few thousand mm. years ago, who was writing mm -hmm. on this topic. Mm -hmm. um, so philosophy's explored it for years. Ancient, ancient traditions like Buddhism and, and Hinduism and, and even yoga well, actually, they were writing about this topic um, thousands of years ago. And, and there's, there's wisdom in there, in those teachings, which, which isn't about religion. It's about the mind and, and looking at the mind and how it works. And, and what's happened over, the last, over this last period, neuroscience and cognitive science 
and even quantum physics. So the scientific world is catching up mm. to what we've known about how the mind works for thousands of years. Mm. And we're at this beautiful point in time where science and these, these spiritual elements are coming together and working on the same thing to, to know that there's certain aspects about the brain and the mind that we need to, we need to prioritize learning about because when we prioritize learning about it, we are, we are able to access way more of the full potential that we, that we have. So, so what is it that these leaders struggle with the most? What is their biggest challenge when they engage you? Are they, on one hand, you've said that they're very capable leaders because they've risen to, through the ranks, they've achieved a lot in their career. So technically they're brilliant. Um, but essentially what I hear you saying is that what got you here won't get you there. So you need to lead with a slightly different skill set. And this is where you sort of come in. But what are the what are the main problems or challenges that they are experiencing in their lives that lead them to engage you? I'm pausing to, to answer that question because it, it it's such a diverse set of um aspects that someone could engage me on so it, it could be the classic elements of defining a vision or a strategy it, it it could be how to how to lead my organization in a, how to be a great leader um it could be about how to build a great leadership team hmm. it, it could be that they're they're struggling with some psychological elements like how to be more confident, how to be in, in today's world, how to be less stressed and less overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. um, uh, there's, a, there's a multitude of elements. So it really, it's any, it could be about how to have a, live a happier, more balanced life. Mm. I mean, you know, really it's any element of of life and leadership. Hmm. Well, let's take let's take one of those um, elements that you mentioned: how to lead a more balanced and, and happy life. Talk a little bit about how the mind gets in the way of that, and what are some coping strategies that people can use to overcome them. Right. So, first, just just to say, I'm 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 not in the in the business of teaching people coach coping strategies. Mm. I'm, I'm in the business of teaching people about the mind so that they have epiphanies. They have mm. like an insight that then that fundamentally shifts the way that they see the world or the way that they're living in the world. And if I if I shift, if I shift in my thinking, then I don't need a coping strategy because I just see it differently. Huh. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it, it's a change of paradigm. You're getting a, a new paradigm. You're seeing the world with different spectacles, basically. Yes. Yes. And and if you if you think about um, this, this has been happening all the time. You know, we see it happening in society at the moment. Um, I, I guess actually, if we go back to the classic one. We, at one point, we all thought the earth, earth was flat. <laughs> and we lived in the paradigm that the earth was flat. And of course it was flat. 
Well, By the way, there's still some people that think that it's fl- it's flat now. I, I know. Yeah, <laughs> it's resurfaced. Yeah, yeah. But but then all of a sudden we shift the paradigm mm. and we 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 think and operate totally differently. And mm. you know, think about some practical situations now, right? Well, nowadays buying uh, getting a plastic bag from a supermarket is like, well, why would I do that? Mm. And yet, probably only two years ago we would all well certainly two years ago in in the uk and not not in some more advanced western countries but two years ago yeah we wouldn't have thought anything about picking up a plastic bag and Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. so what what happens is that what we what we as a society and and with the current pandemic what we need what we already see is people shifting the way that they're thinking and the paradigms that they're existing within so that's 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 the, the sole game that I'm in is how do I help you mm. see the thinking you've got going on, the paradigms that you're operating in, that you some of which you don't even realize you're operating in because they're so deep rooted and so subconscious. Mm. And yet when you you see them, you then unlock a whole nother way of thinking and living and leading. And and that then coming back to your your original question is that's how if someone's looking for a more balanced and, and happy life. Well, the question is, what thinking have they got going on that that's creating their current existence that is not the way they really want it to be? And And what we find is there's a bunch of deep rooted paradigms in there that probably are, well, I must. I must work hard. I must drive to get somewhere. If I get my, I need to provide for my family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That, that sets up a whole way of operating that doesn't necessarily create happiness or fulfillment or balance. Mm. Quite, quite fascinating. Let, let's talk a little bit about the webinar that I attended uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, you were speaking to, a panel of uh, sort of several CEOs and leaders, mainly in the media and sort of agency world. It was hosted by um, Waypoint. And you said something really interesting on the webinar. You you say that everyone is talking about the new normal, but the old normal is what got us in this mess in the first place. Is this the time to let go of what we previously actually wanted, all of the outwardly material uh, sort of trappings of success? each leader can only make those decisions for themselves based upon where they're at and the level of thinking that they're coming from currently um my but and and i'll answer the question um (laughs) and and the way i'm going to answer the question is so what what i do is i teach people about the mind and when people learn more about the mind, they learn about the thinking that they've got that shapes them to live and work and lead in a certain way. And when they learn about the mind, they learn that some of that thinking is a bit screwed up. Hmm. It's not It's not having them be live the life they want to lead necessarily. It's not necessarily having them lead the way that they would like to it's it might be limiting some of the ways that they run the company or some of the ways that they do business it might be limiting the level of 
care and responsibility they show for their people and or the planet. So, so what I find is that through this work I do, people challenge all of that. And as they challenge it all, they realize that there is a new normal mm -hmm. that is way more sensible, way more effective, way more kind uh, than, than the old normal. But they also, by the way, realize that they, all, they also get some increasing insight into the fact that they realize the trappings that you referred to aren't what actually provides them fulfillment. And they may have been caught up in a, in a paradigm that, that trappings make me feel good. Your, your talk about the mind is really, is really fascinating. And the ultra marathons that you've done and your trek to the North Pole is also really fascinating and, and really gives me an, an insight into the way that your mind works. And two things jump out to me there because one is the mindset that you need to have to get ready for an ultra marathon to run across deserts and trek to the North Pole. It's how do you prepare your mind? What do you say to yourself? How do you, the mindset prior to doing it is, is super fascinating. Right. But then the, the mindset while you have it and w while you're going through that journey and your mind is telling you, hey, it's too hard, it's too hard, it's stop, what are you doing to me? I'm sure there's, there's a lot of talk, self-talk that you're doing to yourself. Talk a little bit, a bit about those two mindsets pre the event and then during the event, during those difficult points. Wonderful question. Thank you. Thank you for asking that. And so um, I'm, I'm going to answer it in a, a slightly different way to the way you might, might expect. And okay. um, if I, in the old world, may, maybe 10 years ago, how I would have answered that would have been, well, yeah, I'm doing, you know, sort of, I don't know if you know, neurolinguistic programming or reframing. I'd be looking and I'd be sitting there and I'd be chanting things to myself. Come on, Martin, you can do it. You can do it. You know, think positive, et cetera, et cetera. But, but with, with this work that I do now, um, I, I'll answer it differently. And, and what I'm going to suggest to you, Nathan, and every, everyone that's listening to this is that we have a natural ability to operate in flow. Hmm. And, and in sport, we call that operate in the zone. Hmm. And operating in the zone, we, we actually do things. We're able to perform really well. So think of someone... I don't know, taking a penalty in a, in a important final, think of someone mm -hmm. doing a backhand down the line, playing tennis to win mm -hmm. a match. Think of someone walking on a tightrope across a cavern with a thousand foot drop where they're just now, listen, they can all do that. Or, or someone playing music in the Royal Albert hall in, in London. And they're, they're just doing something brilliantly. Now, this is what we call flow, the flow state or being in the zone. Mm -hmm. And in that state, we, we operate, we access our potential. We operate brilliantly, achieving great things, but we also operate effortlessly without really thinking about it. The rational mind quietens down. And 
we can operate in flow in those examples that I've given. We can also operate in flow um, doing a presentation to a client or working out the company strategy or we can also operate in flow running a 150 mile marathon. Hmm. Now, what, what I'm pointing at is that this flow state is our natural built-in design. It's available to us at any moment. So I don't need to try and talk myself into being able to run a long way. I don't need to go, come on, Martin, come on, Nathan, we can do it. We can do it. I don't need to do that. I need to just get out of my own way so that the natural built-in design that I've got to be in flow yeah. can just now now because if you think about running nathan right you could run you and i could run 150 miles today if we weren't no, in maybe, our own maybe you could no 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 you could too i really 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 <laughs> mean that right is if we weren't in our own way and what happens is at some point along the the journey of running the 150 miles hopefully not after the first mile <laughs> but but at some point the mind gets in the way. Now, if you think of running, well, actually, if, if we've got two legs, then we can do it, right? We just put one foot in front of the other. Sure. And, and we keep doing that. So the, the state of running is one that we can all do. And what happens is that thought comes along and gets in the way. Hmm. And it says, wh whether it's, running a company right now in these current times, whether it's running a, a, a marathon, whether it's whatever it's doing is thought comes along and gets in the way and and blocks our ability to operate in flow state. And that's the only thing that then will prevent me from finishing this marathon. Hmm. Because what happens is thought comes along and it starts talk, talking to me, the inner voice, um, they call it monkey mind sometimes um, sure. um it, it talks to me it moans it it comes up with scenarios it, it suggests why i can't do it etc etc so the only thing i really need to do in um in in pre-work or, or during the race is be aware of that mind that comes in, that thought that comes in and shift my relationship to it so that I can automatically just get on and be in flow. Hmm. You say a lot of what we want comes from our toxic relationship to money. What is that toxic relationship and how do we change that conversation? It, the issue is not money. The issue is the thinking that we have about money. And we live, we live in a societal paradigm that says, if I have money, it will. It will make me feel better because I'll be able to buy this and that. It, if I have money, um, the ego thinks it makes me feel good and look good and, mm. and so on. Mm. So the relationship that we have to money is based upon thinking that says, if I have it, then I will be better, happier, etc., etc. Mm -hmm. Now, if that were true, then the people that have more money would be happier. 
but we know they're not. Not always the case, no. Well, actually, surprisingly not the case, right? Mm. I, I, I know many of them who, uh, there's many people that, that spend their lives striving for financial freedom, and then they get it, and then they're, they're edgy and frustrated, mm. and they, they're just achievement machines, and so they actually just get bored sitting around, and so they think about what they need to do next, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, so I, I'm in, and I'm not saying don't have money. I'm not saying don't strive to make money, but I'm saying look at your thinking around your relationship to money because it, it, that's the bit that can be toxic and unhelpful in enabling you live, to live a happy, fulfilling, successful life. Hmm. But at the end of the day, all, what we all want is freedom. And in the pursuit of that freedom, uh, we spend <laughs> the first 20 years of our life or 30 years or 40 years of our life um, really a slave to our careers, a slave to money, a slave to those outer trappings of success in order to achieve that freedom. But we actually trap ourselves for a very long part of our lives in order to achieve that ultimate goal. How do we get out of that cycle? Yeah, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great statement and a great question. And, and, and when, you, when you learn more about the mind, you, you realize that freedom is, a, is available to us in, in every moment. Interesting. Freedom doesn't come from having things or getting anywhere. Freedom is is a state that we, you and I are in right now. We have freedom right now in this present moment. Huh. When we are not caught up in thinking that says I need to, I must, etc., etc., and it's the thinking that that then forces us onto some sort of hamster wheel called a career yeah. uh, that says, I must get somewhere in order to be. Mm. And that then takes away our freedom. So mm. it's, it's really about looking at, again, it's coming back to these paradigms that are shaping us. And the more that we can look at them and pull them apart and realizing that um, that they can be really unhelpful, the more freedom we can have in, in any moment and in this moment right now, we can live with freedom regardless of where we're at and what we're achieving and, and so on. Let, let's talk a little bit about the COVID crisis and your reaction to it. You say that when the situation first started, you had a week or two of turmoil um, talk a little bit about what you were feeling in those early days and weeks and how have you dealt with it and where are you now? So in the first few weeks, I, I certainly, so certainly the first couple of weeks, I found myself, um, my, my, my business revenue disappeared. I, it went sort of off a cliff overnight. Um, uh, there were many things that I had planned for the coming months, personally and professionally, that I was really inspired and excited about. And that whole vision just disappeared mm. and, 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 and then evaporated. And, and also, I was going through 
upset and upset for our world that that mm. our world could get into this level of situation so all of that was being was pro i was processing and then what i did is i i went inside and i i mean i you know, listen i teach about the mind so my mind at that point wasn't working very well and so i spent <laughs> quite a lot of time really looking at in a in a deep and experiential way what i teach and making sense of making sense of my mind and what it was doing to enable me to reaccess my peace of mind to reaccess my clarity and it, it was also to let to let go of things because the mind builds up expectations and desires and and it was a process of letting go of all of that and um and and where i where i am now is that this 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 crisis is an opportunity not to look outside at oh my goodness what's happening what's happening in the news today what's on twitter what's here what's there goodness goodness this is happening that's happening politically this mm. because because actually it's an opportunity to look inside mm. and to learn about the mind to reflect on who i am and where i'm at and to reinvent regenerate uh, it's an op it's a beautiful opportunity to stop and to question and to um, and to create a more effective way of going forward, hmm. and and I guess that's where I've got myself to is a, a total exploration to to that point. Really, really fascinating. Let Let's talk a little bit about the 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 opportunity that this has created for entrepreneurs. Um, and reinvention because while there is a global health crisis going on uh, and an impending sort of economic crisis off the back of it that I'm sure we'll be in for quite some time, the situation does provide a lot of opportunities for businesses, entrepreneurs, creative thinkers. Um, you know, there's there's the old saying that um, uh, you know, there's you should never waste a uh, a crisis. And while none of us want to be opportunistic, um, there there are opportunities that are created. And you said that the first few webinars that you were on all talked about mainly resilience and well being. Now the webinars that you're attending are really a, around reinvention. Discuss. Yeah, it's not. It's not, and just to be clear, it's not webinars I'm attending. It's 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 the demand for my services to lead these webinars oh. and and oh. in the early stage yes it was definitely oh my goodness how am i going to cope with this how do i be resilient how do i deal with uncertainty and so on and and there's an increasing demand now on the topic of reinvention and and so so we are at an amazing point in time to to reinvent and i think there's there's two key elements to this nathan right the, the first thing is well so how do we reinvent and how do we make the most of this opportunity 
how do we how do we look at what we've been doing until now and this can be personally and professionally and, and in our organizations how do we look at our current modus operandi and how do we challenge it what, what do we what do you want to reinvent um what's going on in the market and the world what have we currently been doing and what thinking have we had that as to why we've been doing it that way now now what you tend to find when you when you really do this and this is a lot of my coaching work at the moment is what's the thinking underneath why you do it that way and what we tend to find is that there's some some dicky unhelpful thinking and, and actually some illusory thinking some thinking that that sort of wasn't accurate useful wise thinking in the first place that's driving a certain way of doing things that that wasn't effective hmm. so this is an opportunity and a time to explore that and really come with an open explorative mind to 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 reinvent to go well is all of that thinking right well no well then how could we do things and and there's various techniques and approaches that that i would use to help people unlock a whole another way of working out what might be possible in this new world that we're going into and and the second, the second thing I, I want to say on this topic is that we also need to think, I, I, this is my own belief here, is we need to start thinking in a different way, not for ourselves, but for others, for society and for the world that we live in. Because some of the thinking that's driven us to behave in a certain way has caused a society where there's significant mental illness where employee engagement is not very high where we're consuming and harming our planet and all the species on it and and part of this reinvention needs to be how do how do we do things in a way that actually is responsible and kind mm. and effective beyond just um serving our own needs mm. really really interesting Martin, just coming towards the end of the interview now, last couple of questions before we get into our favorite questions that I ask all of my guests. I'm really excited to ask you some of them as well. But based on everything that you've discussed here today and shared with us, what are the things that you struggle with the most? Um, both your clients, that'll be interesting to sort of discuss. What do your clients struggle with the most and which aspects of what you've discussed do you struggle with the most? What do my clients struggle with the most? Um, I think, I think I'd, I'd have to use the present COVID situation to say, sure. The the struggle, uh, I, I, and I guess there's 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 two there's two types of organisation at the moment. There's there's organisations that are actually carrying on as normal because they're not that affected. And it possibly, you know, so for example, in the, I've got uh, food retailers um, and food manufacturers, and they're pretty busy and growing right now. So um, their struggle is how to be effective in an overwhelming situation. 
the the effect the the struggle for the other half i don't know if it's a half but the other struggle for the other is how are we going to survive how are we going to how are we going to survive this crisis and how are we going to um and so that's the struggle that they're going through is dealing with their own potential stress and overwhelm and and at the same time being innovative and creative in you know working out how to thrive survive and thrive hmm. my to answer the question for myself what do i struggle with most nathan um i struggle with um how to live in the world that we exist in right now um with the political and climatic turmoil that that is going on and and created by the virus and so i i struggle with how to be at peace and live the life i want to lead um and make a difference when i realize that actually i can't make a difference that's going to impact the entire planet quite 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 fascinating martin i know i've only got you for a few more minutes so let's get into everyone's favorite questions these are the questions that i ask all of my guests um so i'll start with a couple of these and fire them at you um tell us about a time when you failed and what you learned from the experience well wonderful question so i um in my race to the magnetic north pole i was racing i'd set up uh, I'd set up to enter this race. There were eight teams racing of three people racing 350 miles to the Mag North Pole. I set the team up. I spoke on it. I did. I, I spoke at conferences on it uh, beforehand and after and so on. And actually what happened is um, halfway through the race, I got pulled out. There was one checkpoint to check that we were okay and alive and well halfway through the race um we i'd set the race the team up to win the race and we got to this halfway point um in the lead but the problem is that i had a blister that developed for the three days before that 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 had got infected and i'd got septicemia and the whole of my heel, the whole of my lower leg uh, wow. had, had swollen up and I was oh, in God. immense, immense pain. And I got to the halfway point and the, the doctor looked, took one look at the leg and realized that the, the, the infection had, was tracking up into my whole blood system. And that, you know, if I carried oh, on God. within a day, I was likely to have severe long-term issues. Oh, so, God. so. I was pulled out of the race and on one level it, it was the biggest failure i've ever experienced because i'd set this this team up to mm. to complete the race and to actually to win it and that that i that i couldn't complete it um but it was one of the most profound experiences of my life because mm. um uh, after a lot of processing I realized that actually the concept of success and failure is an illusion anyway. And um, really, uh, there's a wonderful quote by Theodore Roosevelt uh, about the man in the arena. And mm. the quote, the, the quote, the short version of the quote is, 
life is not about succeeding or failing. Life is about being in the arena of life. It's about mm. jumping mm. in, taking part, living life fully. And sometimes, you know what, you're mm. going to, you're going to succeed and, and do really, really well. And other times you're going to fail miserably, but that doesn't really matter. What really matters is that you mm. jump in and make the most of this special, uh, special opportunity that you have called life. Mm. Yeah. Bernie Brown. I love that quote. Bernie Brown takes that one step further and sort of, she says that she's not affected by those people who, she has a whole talk about vulnerability and, you know, putting yourself forward for things. And she says that if you're not in the arena with me, then I don't care about your opinion. She only worries about and thinks about those people who are in the arena, because when you're in the arena, then you have your, your fair game. Essentially, everyone is available to sort of take shots at you and aim at you and fire slings and arrows. But if you're not part, if you're not, in the arena with her, people from the outside judging her, she she held she she doesn't respect their opinion at all. And I really like how she's uh, how she's framed that. I, I love that quote from Theodore Roosevelt. Wonderful. Um, Can I just add to that and say sure. I, I think this is one of the great challenges of um, of life actually, and and also strong leadership is and and this is a lot of the work i do around the mind is teaching people to access to who they really are and what they really want to do in life and and following it with with power and authenticity and not getting caught up in worrying about how it will look or what others will think um so yes mm. it, it's how do you how do you tune into where you're going and live, a, a, live and be guided by the strength and the wisdom inside of you, not not caught up in worrying? Hmm. Super fascinating. What's the most interesting thing that people don't know about your background? Um, I used to skydive when I was in my 20s and one mm -hmm. day it went wrong and I had pulled my parachute. Um, <clears throat> I was in Japan. Um, I hadn't skydived for a while and I was uh, really quite worried about it. But basically I was parachuting. It was quite windy and I, I took a turn wrong and effectively I fell out of the sky from about oh, 200, 250 meters onto this gravel track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, death, death defying stunts. Yeah. Um, Tell us about some of your favorite books. This is our, this is everyone's favorite question, by the way. So uh, this is the question that I get most emails and LinkedIn messages about. Oh, what was that book that that guy mentioned again? So tell us about some of your favorite books. What do you read for personal and professional development? Okay. Am I allowed four? Y yes, as many okay. as you like. Okay, great. So How Not to Die by Michael Greger. Okay. How, oh, how, what a great book! It, it's a fascinating book about fantastic book about yes. nu about nutrition, and I'm I'm passionate about how about nutrition and the health of yeah. the body and that yeah. so much of our society and the way that we eat around is putting toxins into the body yeah. that is causing a huge amount of illness and disease sure. and, and impacting the immune system. 
Um, sure. So How Not to Die is a brilliant book to start to look at what are the things that you need to eat and the way that you need to eat to, to actually have a healthy system? Yeah. And just on that, by the way, um, dying is actually, he makes the argument that dying is a technical problem and dying normally comes out of heart disease, uh, sort of uh, cancers, all of, all of these ailments that are really man-made, heart disease, lung failure, yep. uh, diabetes, cancers, all these things are made from lifestyle choices. And if we change those lifestyle choices, then theoretically we could live, if not forever, then for, but for a very long time. Uh, absolutely. Yes. Come, come back and interview me. Um, I'm, I'm 50 now. So come back and interview me in 60 years. And, and let's, <laughs> let, let's just check that, that that worked. Yeah. Love it. Love yeah. it. Um, okay. What are your other books? Se- second book, um, the Road Less Travelled by Scott Peck. Um, it's book. it's a philosophy. It's a philosophy book that I I read maybe twenty five years ago, and it was really oh, wow. impactful at the time in in shaping me to really think about the deeper elements of life. And and I love the first, one of the the first sentence of the book is, life is difficult. Life is difficult. And when you realize that and accept it and don't struggle and fight with that, you can be free. Mm. Love that. Another thing from that book, by the way, that I really love is how he defines love. He defines love, as I remember it, as the the wanting for growth in another person or another uh, or, or, you know, whether it's a pet or a human being or what have you. It's the it's the fact that you want that other person or entity to grow. That is the definition of love. I absolutely love that book as well. Fantastic book. Wonderful. Good. Um, next one, Invisible Power by Manning and Charbit and Crop. Charbit. Yeah. Invisible Power. So the work right. I do, they, they are my mentors. I came across mm-hmm. them about six years ago. Um, um, it's teaching about the mind. It's a it's it's a business book. They work mm. with businesses. They're they're in America. Sometimes I partner with them um, in doing the work that I do now. Is it's it's a it's based it's based upon the principles that I teach about the mind. So if you're interested in what I've said in any way, read that book mm. and, and mm. then give me a call, right? But basically, by learning about the mind, um, we unlock a whole nother level of life and performance and effectiveness that that book is pointing at and it's it's transformational by the way i feel as though i'm in, i'm speaking on every single book that you've mentioned i don't i don't normally do this but that book in particular was named by phil gripton who's a partner at waypoint Partners, yeah yeah as his all-time favorite book he said look go out and get that book i haven't read it yet it's still on my to-do right. long right. reading list so, but so, did he get that from you or? Yes, he did. So I worked with Phil when I worked with Phil, um, teaching him about the mind when in three of his companies that he's been part of initially with his leadership team when he was COO at uh, First Utility, an energy company. And right. we and we took them, we did this team development using the concepts of invisible power. Actually, I, I talked, Bill, and it, it transformed the his life and the way he thinks and the way that his team operated. Really, really fascinating. 
Um, last one, last couple of questions. What what? Sorry, I've got one more one more sorry one, to one more you. book, if I may. Um, oh yes, which sorry, go ahead. It's really important, actually, which is it's called mm. Smart Leader, Smarter Teams. Smart oh. Leader, Smarter Teams by a guy called Roger Schwartz, and yeah. it is a really powerful, effective way. The, the number one thing that that prevents teams from operating effectively. Well, the number one thing is their thinking, but but let, let's move on from that and say it's actually mm. it's com- communication. So a team's ability to communicate is is absolutely critical, and that that actually sounds simple, but it's profoundly complex. So a team a team in dynamic together, it's about how do we listen. How do we really listen? How do we really deeply understand where each other are coming from? How do we create a platform for me to share what I really need to say and want to say? How do we brainstorm together openly? How do we have real level of deep trust and understanding? And again, this is all part of the work that we do. And it's based upon some uh, on the book, Smart Leader, Smarter Teams, which is some real practical elements to how do you develop transparency curiosity compassion in the way a team works all fantastic recommendations how not to die the road less traveled invisible power and smarter leader smarter teams thank you very much for sharing those uh what do you do for fun when you're not coaching ceos of large businesses um yoga meditation breath work plant medicine um walking cycling um anything a a lot of which is related to exploring the mind and consciousness and and being outside wow so this is this is a total uh this is the way that you live this is a lifestyle choice that you've you you live this life 365 days a year 24 hours a day um and I guess you need to in order to do the work that you do. Yeah, it's it's a passion. It's a deep-rooted passion. Yeah. Mm. In in the last three to five years, what behaviors, habits, or ideas have you added or removed from your life that have improved your outcomes? I I I've changed dramatically in the last last five years. I think I'm trying to work out how to answer that question. I, I think I've just um, increasingly just more chilled out um yes still high performing yes still doing lots but more at peace in myself and enjoying the moment more a millennial or a young person asks you for advice to become a better leader or entrepreneur or founder what advice do you give them focus on your development focus on your development and personal personal and professional development but really really focus on the personal development and learn about the mind i'm gonna say that aren't i nathan learn about the (laughs) mind right so that you can before you race through life and get to the end and go oh well you know i should have done some things differently and this and that um learn about yourself learn about what is really deeply fulfilling and follow your heart not your head or your ego. And my final question, Martin, what do you know about coaching leaders today that you wish you knew at the beginning of your career? 
that the most critical thing is development, personal and professional development, and that um, the journey of being becoming the best leader that you can become is only potent, is only possible if you are constantly evolving and improving and developing yourself and that that is a lifelong journey you will never have got there and there's mm. there's so much to explore and learn and improve that um that that for me is is critical thing mm. great place to end martin thank you so much for doing this thank you nathan it's really been great to um to be with you we have been speaking with martin palethorpe he is currently the executive coach and mentor and founder at the pragma group if you enjoy this conversation then head over to apple Podcasts, where you can listen to 78 such conversations now we've had with world-class leaders mentors in sales marketing and leadership thank you for all your feedback and suggestions on linkedin and email write to me at nathan at agencydealmasters.com please head over to itunes and give us a review follow me on twitter at nathan annie barber we would be unable to do this show without our very own deal masters ahmed ahmed is our editor genevieve mageki is our booker slash project manager marian begum is our head of research i'm nathan anibaba you've been listening to agency deal masters